2: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Lord Put a Ring on It. I am your host, Dr. T.T. Collins. Thank you again for joining me. Thank you for tuning in today. I want to let you guys know that I have a great show for you today. A lot of you really responded to the Black Lives Matter, the conversation that we had with some really powerful brothers. Well, those powerful brothers are back to... Day. They are back today, and we're also being joined by another phenomenal, powerful brother who you guys are going to meet in just a couple of seconds. But again, you guys have been asking for it. You responded. I've read your emails. You guys are talking about how you really enjoyed the conversation. And today, we're going to be talking about something that is, is equally as important, and we're going to be dealing with prison reform and how it affects our community, our community, how it affects our men and women of color. So they're going to dive in and they're going to give you guys an awesome, actually they're going to be talking about a plethora of things as it pertains to prison reform. So you guys just get ready to enjoy. And remember, iHeart listeners, thank you so very much for being loyal iHeart fans. Remember, you can always see the visual on Facebook. So look for it on Facebook if you want to see the visual of this, but we will be on iHeart. Radio, as we always are. So, without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to my guest today, my co host, which is going to be my lovely husband today. You guys are always asking when we're going to do something together. Well, this is us doing something together again. So, I'm going to introduce you guys to two phenomenal men one being my husband, Pastor Calvin Collins, and another very strong, influential brother, Brother Joe Simmons. So, you're about to meet them both right now. Pastor Calvin Collins and Brother Joe Simmons. These are my co-hosts for today, and they're going to be talking to you both about prison reform. So, fellas, introduce yourselves and let them hear whatever it is that you guys wanna say, whatever direction you guys wanna go in today.
3: Well, praise the Lord, uh, Dr. Tiki. Uh I should I might I wanna call you some other names, but it may not be appropriate for your guests. <laughs> I'm so glad that you had us here today to talk about this uh, pressing subject. And uh, my good friend, my brother, uh, Brother Joe Simmons, um, I think your people are going to be very blessed today with the information and the wisdom that he's going to share. And I'm going to, you know, just just uh, assist him more more than anything, because he's a community activist. He's a brother. He's a mentor. He's a coach. He's an entrepreneur. He's a businessman. Uh, hails from Camden, New Jersey, and has made a very successful life for, for himself and has assisted many other brothers uh, wherever he goes to be very, very positive and successful. So, Brother Joe, um, I didn't I don't know if you knew I was going to tell you everybody you was from Camden, but hey, brother, good stuff come out of Camden, man.
4: Hey, man, listen, I was born, I was born in West Oak. Uh, Lane that's the section of uh, North Philadelphia but I was raised in Camden and Camden is where my heart is um so thank you I, I'm honored to, uh to be on your podcast this morning um when you were uh spewing off all of those accolades I'm like who that brother he took about that's
3: <laughs> you that's you brother but um
4: uh again man giving honor to God um just being alive this morning for wake, waking up in my right mind. Um, so again, thank you, Doctor Tiki, uh, Pastor Collins, for having me on. Uh, I'm going to jump right into the um, to the subject. Um, I'd like to first start out. You you know me, Pastor. I always follow the money and mm-hmm. the U.S. prison budget. These are uh, The statistics that I have are from 2018, so I'm sure they're even higher. But in 2018, the total prison budget for the United States of America was $80 billion.
3: wow!
4: Uh, 10% of that came from the federal government. Uh, 57% of that money comes from state prisons. And Another 33 percent comes from your city and county jail budget. So, it's, you know, there's a difference. Prison is typically thought of um, when you do a long, longer stint. Um, so it would be over 365 days. You typically will do that kind of time in a state or federal prison. If it's less than 364 days, you'll typically do that in a county jail. Um, so, again, we're talking about an 80 billion dollar annual. This is annual, but you know, in comparison, the 2018 United States education budget in total was 16.3 billion. So, to me, it sounds like. Our priorities are all wrong. We're trying to uh, lock people up, throw away the key, and come up with a significant change. I don't see that how that will ever happen when you have such a disparity in the two systems, the penal system versus your educational system. So I think that you know as as citizens, as just concerned people, we need to um, interject ourselves politically in having some of that money redirected to other services, you know, starting with education. We know that our educational system is broken, but if you infuse, you know, some of that 80 billion, I'm saying half of that 80 billion into that system, we could start to change that system um, to get it to work the way that it was uh, designed to be. Um, Also, Um, You cannot have this discussion on prison reform if you don't look at the 13th Amendment. The 13th Amendment abolished slavery, except if you are convicted of a felony. Then they can lock you up and make you work for free. And that's what's happening in a lot of cases. You have... Uh, prisoners that do um, telemarketing from prison for for-profit businesses. So mm.
3: again,
4: it's basically slavery because I think they make something like a dollar seventeen um, cents per hour, which is far below even the lowest minimum wage. So it's you know again we're, we're uh, perpetuating slavery just in a different form, and you have. Uh, some serious companies such as Aramark, who is in the food services, they're making major money off of these prisons, just feeding these guys. You know what I mean? The brothers and sisters that are in prison, mm-hmm. billions of dollars, just feeding them. And they don't do anything to help reform. So this is a system that, you know, for a lot of people must stay in place because they make a lot of money from it. Yeah, you know, so we, you know, those are some of the things that, um, you know, I like to talk about today. Do you have anything to interject, Pastor?
3: Well, let me, let's unpack that a little bit. You, yeah. you're talking about an eighty billion dollar industry, annual, annually, yeah. Where education, you said, was $16 billion. $16.3 billion. and black, white, it don't matter, right? 16 Total. And I talked to a brother the other day, young brother, and I was telling him to go back to the theology school. And he said, I'm already $136,000 in debt in student loans, in debt. So he's indebted for an education that um, he may or may not use. But then there's a vast, there's more investment from our country, what you just stated, to that our country has an incentive to lock brothers up. Absolutely. Let me ask you a question. Out of the population, what percentage are, are we African-Americans in the prison population, if you know that?
4: Well, in uh, um, we are black men. I'm, I'm focusing because we're the largest population of the prison, um, although the women's population is growing faster. But specifically, black men make up uh, in, the, in the United States of America, adult black men make up six of the total population, but we are 40% of the prison population. That in itself cries out that there is something wrong with this system. That 6.5% of your population is making up nearly half of another population in a negative way. So, and then, you know, to even unpack that a little more, America is 5% of the global population, but we have 25% of the prison population in this one country, 25%. That means a quarter of the world. We, we have the, we have a quarter right. population in the rest of the world right here in this small country which we only have 330 million people. You have countries like uh, China, India, they, their numbers are in the billions. Right. They don't have as many people in a prison as as we have. So that in itself, again, shows that the system is a systemic problem and the system is broken. You know, on a personal level, I'm, I don't feel any safer having, you know, millions of people in prison. I, I don't feel any safer by that is that most of them will be released at some point. You know, you have very few people that are lifers or or won't get out, you know, within their their lifetime and they're in the prisons, they're not being properly uh, educated. There's no real reform in prison. You know, once they're in there, you're just warehousing them. There's no incentive to get an education or get drug treatment or mental health treatment, even if you incentivize it, where you say, listen, if you get your college degree, you know, we'll, we'll reduce your sentence. But they don't do that, they just warehouse you because, you know, another statistic, You know, I've worked in the telecommunications industry for uh, nearly 31 years. There's two uh, companies that run all of the phones in the prisons and that's a, a nearly two billion dollar industry. Okay. Meaning that in order for these guys to even access their lawyers or their family or you know, or the pastors or imams, they gotta pay. So they're, again, they're making money as there's no uh part of the prison system that is not for profit. They everybody that that um provides a service is a for-profit business. And, you know, I think that in order to really reform these things, we need to uh, drill down on exactly who is getting this money, um, who are they, you know, who do they represent? There's a, a organization, it's called ALEC. It's the American Legislative Exchange Council. They write most of the legislation, not just around prisons, but in general, in America, but they are, rep- it's, it's a, um, a public-private um, agreement. It's a, a group of former legislators and, um, and businessmen, and they come around and they write legislation that benefits corporations, you know, and these corporations are like Aramark and um, AT&T, Verizon, They write the legislation that um, basically leaves them insulated from any kind of lawsuits. You know, it's amazing. But they are the ones that um, help author the um, 1994 crimes bill with Bill Clinton, Mm -hmm. Hillary uh, Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden. Now, one in that 1994 crimes bill. That created instantly uh, 100,000 new cops and created um, endless brand new prisons, uh, local, state, federal prisons. So, in order to build a prison, you gotta have unionized labor. So, they, they gotta, you know, union labor has a hand in, the, in it. And it just goes to show it like all of the tentacles that are connected to prisons, you know, just build, you know, building prisons. And then they, um, under the, uh, also under George Bush, the the father, um, they started with the federal, um, private federal prisons where you could come in a for-profit corporation and build your prison and run it again for profit but in the legislation in that 1994 crimes bill when they and where they created uh, private federal prisons, they guaranteed a uh, maximum capacity for those prisons. They said, "Listen, guaranteed. we guarantee it. So what, what, what's that telling you? They going even if you did all the right things as a United States citizen, they are going to find ways to put you in these prisons. Yeah. They want them to feel to the max, which good. and then, you know, President Obama, when he was in office, he put in legislation through executive order that you couldn't have any more privately owned federal prisons. And as soon as uh, Donald Trump got in office through executive order, he was able to reverse that. So, again, you know, you have you, you take a, a president such as a President Obama who saw the disparity and he tried to do something. The problem with doing it through executive order, the next guy that comes up, he, he can do okay. it. Yeah. So legislatively, we have to start to engage, you know, our politicians from the, uh all the way from, you know, the White House all the way down to the local city council. And um, it's not going to be an easy thing, but you know nothing is impossible for
3: God. We can definitely, get, we we can get that accomplished. So you you said a lot. You've educated us on the systemic um, racism, the systemic uh, socialism. What I, I'll say socialism because the poor are the ones in the jail. They're yes. the ones that they're picking on them, and forty percent of the population is us which tells me that the police department has an incentive to lock us up. Absolutely. The prosecutors have an incentive to lock us up. The public defenders, they're playing the game, take a plea, go to jail for a short amount of time, lock us up. So the whole system is designed so that the rich get richer off the backs of the poor. It's, it's another form of slavery. Absolutely. Generating money for, for, the, for the wealthy, off the backs of the disenfranchised. We know a lot of individuals, I know a lot of individuals who are in prison who don't belong there, who should be, who should be out right now. But because of an $80 billion price tag and a guarantee that these prisons are gonna be full, these people's lives don't matter. And so when we talk about reform, Wow, that's 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 a that's a big hill to climb, but how do we how do, what do we what can we do what what measures can we take? Um, it, personally,
4: you know and it, I know it sounds very naive, but the first thing we can do to reform prison is stop going to prison right and it, there's a bunch of us you know a bunch of brothers and sisters that are there who are innocent and should have never been there. There are a lot of us who are there that should be.
0: Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better.
1: according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
4: There, you know, for some of the crimes that we've committed, uh, in many cases against our own people, you know, sometimes family members or friends, um, a lot of time crime comes out of opportunity and familiarity. You know, we, we get into a disagreement with a with a friend or family member. We treat them with the kind of disdain that we wouldn't treat a stranger, you know, somebody else in the street. So we have to learn to handle that. Um, some brothers that I, I meet with on Saturdays, the, the uh, brothers from King, and their national organization started by uh, Brother Chris Bouchard. But the uh, chapter that I engage with is here in Miami, led by Brother Dwight Robinson. And over the last few Saturdays, we're, we've been talking about anger and how, you know, we can't let our anger overtake us. But you know, I've been focusing in on the fact that in the Bible, God tells us, be angry, sin not. So again, anger is a natural reaction to things and we've conquered the be angry part. It's the sin not part that we have to get a handle on. And so, you know, having said that, we have to, as brothers, you know, not always, you know, sometimes we get into some really heated discussions the, uh, the, some of the most heated discussions I've ever seen black men have is over sports. Well, we don't own any sports franchises. We don't, you know, we, we get to play a few years, but you know, that is a closed group in terms of ownership. And I, I really hate when I hear grown men when they're talking about sports and they'd be like, we, we, you don't own nothing. You may have some jerseys or a favorite player, But you don't own, so you get so angry over sports. You know what I mean? Like we got to stop, you know, leading each other to wrath like that. We got to find, you know, better ways to communicate with each other and, and, you know, to stop being so sensitive about issues that make no sense to your everyday life. You know, sports, I always say, is a very convenient um, escape from reality for a few hours. You can watch a game for two or three hours and just kind of get into that. But after that game, you still got to go to work. You know, whether your team wins or loses, you still have to go to work. So we have to stop making each other angry. And, um, but the more important uh, portion of that is the sin not, you know, sin not. And if we start doing that, that would be the very first reform when we're not going to prison. Now, I understand that the system is corrupt. One of my very best friends, we've been we went to high school together. This brother was a millionaire, self-made millionaire um, through the car industry mainly. And then he had some tag agencies in the city of Philadelphia. They framed this brother. Yeah. He wound up going to federal prison for something. He he had purchased a building. He didn't steal the building. He purchased rightfully purchased the building in the city of Philadelphia. He wanted to turn it into a indoor use new end used car lot. It was gonna have four different levels. Each level had, you know, you would have your high-end cars, you would have your SUVs on one level. It was beautiful. He, you know, he had architects, he did everything he was supposed to do. But he was just a businessman. He hired a general contractor to come in and start to do the work. The building was an old building, so it has some asbestos in it. He, hi- he made sure that the contractor he hired had a um, hazmat uh, certification. Well, I guess this guy was cutting corners. And he threw some of the asbestos into the regular trash. Well, in the city of Philadelphia, they have the Department of License and Inspection. They call it LNI. And they literally, on trash day, if this sounds crazy in some cases, I had never heard of it prior to his um, interaction. But on trash day, they go through and check the trash. They are uniformed officers.
3: Wow.
4: The trash, they found some asbestos in his trash. Right?
2: Wow,
4: that is crazy. So they arrested everybody, him, the contractor, and um unbeknownst to us, God bless you, brother. Thank
0: unbeknownst
4: you. Unbeknownst to us, his contractor was a um a citizen of Jamaica. He was here on a green car. Oh okay. so he went to now this is the federal government, the EPA, that's who they brought in, the um uh, Environment the uh Department of Environmental Protection. They came in and said to the contractor, if you say that he told you to do this, we'll will uh, lessen your, your sentence and we won't deport you back to Jamaica. They you know they that's this is the, the kind of setup. So he lied and told them that this brother was telling them him to cut corners and to throw the stuff in the trash, which was a lie. And so, again, they arrested this, you know, my friend who was just a businessman. And from the door, they offered him five years and a million-dollar fine for throwing asbestos out. Yeah. So right now, wait a minute. He said, I have a signed contract with this guy. And they said, the way that the Clean Air Act is written you are responsible for your contract there, which again, makes no sense to me. Um, so he wound up fighting it in court. He lost his case because the EPA has, they, they are, they have a 100% conviction rate. He wound up still uh, doing multiple years in prison with a fine. He's appealing it now and he's, you know, working with this attorney and, 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 uh, some government officials to try to undo that. Now, here's the caveat about the story. That happened, I believe, in 2011. Well, that was under the President Obama's Justice Department that he was prosecuted and ultimately he had to serve some time in prison. When Donald Trump got in office, again through executive order, that same crime that he went to prison for lost his business, lost, he had a million dollar home in uh, South Jersey. That stuff today is not a federal offense. So he would not have even gone to prison had that been today. So you see how this thing is just rigged, man, all against us. And I know they did that because he was a young black man who had done very well for himself. Very well That's for what, himself. And they don't want to was- see
2: That's an excellent, that's an excellent point, um, Brother Joe. And that's exactly why everything that you just said, even I like when you were, what you initially said, and you said the best way we can reform is to stay out of prison altogether. And you also started talking about anger, some of the reasons why we get, we get ourselves in some of the situations we do. And then you went on and you talked about the third element as sometimes we're set up. In a lot of cases, we're set up. So this is, you know, I'm glad you guys are here having this discussion today because we do reform for all the reasons you just said. Here's an innocent man going about just being a businessman, doing what he does, and he ends up in prison because he was set up. And I just want to say that there are one out of six African-American men between the ages of 25 and 54 that should be in this society, but they've been removed from society to be in prison. Sometimes they're set up for things that they didn't do, sometimes for what they did do. So reform has to start with, we need reform first of all, um, because once you get there, we already know it's African American people. And I look at this from, I'm taking a medical look at it right now. So from a medical standpoint, African American people, we're already the most, the, the, the biggest population that are, we already are predisposed to underlying conditions, whether it be high blood pressure, diabetes, that's us. Once we're incarcerated, now we're exposed to not getting the treatment that we need while we're in prison. Now we're being exposed to other um, morbidities while we're in prison HIV, now in this day, coronavirus. And, you know, medically speaking, we need reform in the prisons because even with mental health, there's nothing that's preparing or assisting our people in the prison at this particular time as i see you know from a medical standpoint so we go into prison and we come out a lot worse we're even more um apt to picking up bad habits such as cigarette smoking i hear a lot of people go in jail they they don't even smoke cigarettes but they come out now they're smoking cigarettes because it's counted as a recreation so once we get there there has to be some sort of reform even in that because yeah granted sometimes we do things that we should go to prison for so, but if we have to be there, we still are citizens of the United States of America. We still should be treated as human beings. Just because we're in the prison system doesn't mean that we should be denied certain humane rights to medical care, to mental health. So there's reform that needs to take place even in those, those areas. So I don't know if you guys, I mean, if you can speak yeah, to that, yeah. but that I mean, is...
3: You, you, you hit on something there because we're supposed to be a Christian nation. America is supposed to be a Christian nation. And the passage in the Bible where Jesus says that many shall come unto me saying, Lord, Lord, blah, 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 blah. He said, depart from me, I never knew you. And he he goes on and says, when I was naked, you didn't feed me. When I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When I was in prison, you didn't visit me. So even in the Bible, Jesus says, for those who are in prison, he didn't even say whether they were guilty or innocent. We, as Christians, have a responsibility to look out for them. And um, one Minister Moss, on the line, because he's involved in prison ministry, having been in prison himself, we as a society, 40% of the prison population is incarcerated. But what are we as a society, African-Americans, doing to help our brothers and sisters transform, transfer back into society whether it be through work programs whether it be through education uh, whether it be through uh, writing letters or visiting them however we, whatever we can do so what you hit on is is key because a lot of brothers who are incarcerated uh, maybe they're innocent like Reuben Hurricane Carter everybody knows the story of Reuben Hurricane Carter was incarcerated for a murder that he didn't do. But society came and got him out and they supported him and he had a successful reentry into society. But there are a lot of brothers who don't have that support. They go there. They get they're angry. Like like Brother Joe said, they're angry. They have a different viewpoint, not only of the justice system, but of people in general, because nobody cares about them. So they come back out and they're educated criminals and they're hardened and the cycle goes on and on and on. So when we talk about prison reform, if if society doesn't do it, if the United States of America doesn't do it, we as African Americans, we have a responsibility. It's our sons and daughters who are locked up, it's our neighbors who are locked up. Now I'm not involved in prison ministry, you know, and but I do. I'm involved once they get out, but while they're there, that's got to be a lonely ride, you know.
2: Yeah, and 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 brother Joe, you talked about the money. You you, you said in the beginning, usually if you follow the money trail, usually that's where a lot of the answers lie within the money trail as it pertains to any type of reform. So you talked about the money. So what are some of the things in reference to reform? How can we as citizens, like Pastor Collins just said, we have a responsibility. Obviously the prison system is broke. They're not trying to fix it. You know, So we as citizens, we have a voice. Just like we, we have a voice right now, Black Lives Matter, and, and we're being heard across the world. So we have a responsibility. So, what can we do to get those type of money reallocated? What can we do to shift the money to where it can help, you know, prison to to change, reform some of the things in prison, bring programs to prison? You know, that's a part of reformation that needed in the in the in the jailhouses or the prison. You know, what? How are some of the ways that I know? Because Brother Joe, you're very You have a very powerful voice, and I know you've done a lot of grassroots, Mm -hmm. you know, you're an activist. Um, What are, you know, some of the ideas that we can do as people to kind of help make noise, to have money shifted and, you know.
4: Uh, Definitely, Dr. Tiki. Um, You know, first and foremost, we have to engage the legislators, you know, like I said, local, state, federal, and let them know that we can't sustain this you know, this way of life anymore. And it's funny, if you, and they started to do some things, but it wasn't out of the kindness of their heart or, you know, they, they've had this, you know, big transformation. It was because they were spending so much money <laughs> in the prison system. They said, hey, wait a minute, our bridges are falling down, our roads are, are collapsing. How can we reduce the, the cost of incarcerating these guys. So what they did, and this was mainly on a local level, they had specifically, again, in, in, in the state of New Jersey, where they had Bell reform that came in a few years ago, because you had, at that point, about 70, 75% of your local jail population, your county jail, city jails, were populated uh, by guys that were just in there because they couldn't make bail. They hadn't been convicted. Of right. Crime. They had. Yeah. Um, they hadn't even been to court to, to You know, to submit to a uh, plea agreement. They were just sitting there because they could not, in some cases, raise a bail as low as one hundred dollars. Mm. So they sat in a prison, and it's costing a prison, the county prison, forty thousand dollars just to keep them in a local county prison because they couldn't make. The bell. So they said we got to reform this. So now you know you can. um, For most crimes outside of like murder or a sexual assault, you are released on your signatures. uh, You know, on or your own recognizance. You sign your name and you agree to come to to trial when when it starts. So again, that wasn't out of the kindness of their heart. That was out of a economic need. They were losing so much money is spent, so much of their local budget on housing guys that again, had not been convicted of a crime. So, you know, that was good. Now we have to push that even a little further. Um, just this, uh, past year in New Jersey, they, um, just agreed that if you were, for, and this was, um, something that had been in place for, for multiple years. If you were a convicted felon, you couldn't vote. If you yeah. were convicted or on parole or probation, you could not vote. Well, um, under this, our uh, current governor in New Jersey, Phil Murphy, he uh, had legislation passed that you can now vote. And a um, my first cousin was uh, very involved in having that legislation past, he, his name is uh, Anthony Henshaw, Tony Henshaw. He did 28 and a half years in prison in New Jersey for homicide. But while he was in prison, you know, he educated himself. You know what I mean? He he, he told transformation. And now this brother with with the help of some other brothers from Camden, New Jersey, Anthony Ways and and, uh, brother Munir Muhammad, They are putting pressure on these local officials, state officials, and even federal uh, officials. They've even gotten in writing a commitment from Governor Murphy that if he wins a second term,
0: he will um, do like they
4: do in our far northern states vermont maine um they bring the prison they bring the voting machines into the penitentiary and allow these guys to vote because again voting is a right it's not a privilege your driver's license is a privilege your voting uh rights are just that they're your rights so he's committed that if he wins a second term he will allow them to bring the uh, voting machines into the penitentiaries that is major that's major politicians to that type of uh, movement so again you know we got to start somewhere it's a it's a big uh, reach but we have to start somewhere and I say you know one we have to start with the um, with the politicians and if you have the proper people, spearheading certain discussions, then you'll get that done. We Listen, we can sing together. We cannot all talk together. We have to, you know, humble ourselves and be able to say, listen, we're going to follow Pastor Colin. We're going to follow Dr. Tiki. Say that and mean it. We can't get off the off-ramp before we get to our destination because we see a way to enrich ourselves or create a platform for ourselves. We have to... um you know, get behind our leaders. And I, you know, I solidly support my my cousin, uh, Tony Henshaw, in his fight for reform. You know, these brothers are are going back into the prison, getting these guys released because they know the guys that are in there that shouldn't be there. So I I think, you know, to answer your question, Dr. Uh, Tiki, we have to, you know, uh, follow the brothers that are getting the work done. And that was a major lift to Have them be able to now vote in the state of New Jersey, even if you're still on parole or probation, or you know having been uh, formally yeah. convicted of a felony. That was big. Now that's you nice. know yeah. now we got to, I guess, back Governor Murphy because that's great legislation for them to start taking the the voting machines into the yeah. prison. That, but guess what? It's not un, um, unfounded. It's, it's happening in Vermont, Maine, and some of your uh, no, uh, far northeastern states as it is. So this it's, it may sound like fairy tale, but it's happening. So we just have to support those things.
2: That's an excellent point. And that's huge. That's yeah. huge because it gives us our voice back. A vote gives us our voice. You Absolutely. So taking those those ballots
3: into the prisons. That's huge. Yeah, and it makes an individual feel like an individual. You know, you count no matter what you've done. You still count, and so that, and it keeps hope alive. But you said some powerful things, my brother. Uh, mm-hmm. In the beginning, you said we have to keep people out of prison. You know, don't yes. you know keep our young people out of prison because yes. the truth of the matter is some think it's a badge of honor that you've been to prison and then you back out and the speak. They think. You know if you earn some stripes so right. if we can keep as many out of the system um that's one thing uh and i want to park there for a minute but uh, how do how do we do that how do we how do we reach this generation that's so violent that um romanticizes the thug life um how do we how do we keep them from entering into the system because you know once you're in that system, I know cats, man, coming home as a vacation. They live in the penitentiary. Sure. They come home for vacation. You understand? Sure. And um what what are some ways you suggest that we can make that difference with 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 the generation that we're dealing with today?
4: We have to um, you know, again, giving honor to God. It's only by the grace of God that myself and you, we are not in yeah,
3: prison. That's true.
4: But, you know, there's there's the physical prison, you know, the building and, you know, state, federal, local prisons. But a lot of us uh, dwell in a prison in our mind and in our hearts. We, You know, we're in a prison and that's a prison that you cannot escape. We can't have somebody else come and release you from that. You have to... Um, you know, through prayer, supplication, you you got to get right within yourself. Um, in the prison in our mind, and, and I've been there. I've been in prison in my mind, and and you know, with some of the desires that I had. You know, wasting my money on stuff that you know. When I look back, over, you know, over my life, I'm like, what in the world was I doing? So we have to get at our personal. Prisons that you know we hold our, our hearts and minds in, but we have to, um, specifically as black men, we have to reach our children when they're young. We cannot lead lend them to devices such as video games that turn you yes. into a natural born killer. Yeah, you know, we got kids that can barely walk and talk, but they can operate. Yep. The video game and killing each yep. other and stealing cars and you know that's that's lunacy that we lend ourselves to as a society that we would even you know expose our babies to such garbage. You know what I mean? So we got to start there. We we have to um, you know reach the babies and teach them how you can have the same kind of fun without. Killing something without harming something, you know what I mean? Teach them how to, how to grow some food, go out and plant. I, used, as a kid, I used to love to play in the dirt. So, my mom said, Here, go plant these seeds. <laughs> and next thing, you know, we got tomatoes growing in the backyard. I'm thinking I'm just playing in dirt, and I was, but I was actually planting something because you can't free yourself if you can't feed yourself, you know. Again, I'm um. I was a real estate investor for next month. It'll be 32 years that I started investing in real estate mm-hmm. as a young man. I was a, in my late teens when I when I bought my first property and, you know, they tricked us, Pastor and Dr. Collins, years ago. We were the best farmers. And I know this is kind of going off the beaten path a little bit. African-Americans were, you know, uh, enslaved right. Africans. When they brought us over here, we planted all that cotton, all that tobacco, you know, and everything else that that came through agriculture. But so what happened is once we were emancipated, they said, here, give us your, your sickle and all of your farming tools. Take this book, go be a lawyer or teacher, whatever. And they made it shameful to be in those industries. But they took that same land that we would share coppers on and and formerly enslaved people on, they plant grapes on it, call it a vineyard, it's your most expensive real estate on the planet, is a a vineyard. So again, you know, through corruption and and our miseducation, we gave up so many things, but to go back to your original question, we have to start with the babies because Dr. Uh, Tiki and Pastor Collins, you know, let's keep it real, Grown people play games with each other. We talk about we want to be reformed and we want to yep. stop getting high and we want to put that bottle down and we want to, you know, I'm going to be a better husband or, and we play games. So I don't spend a whole lot of time with grown people, but I'm willing to give my life for my babies. I got an eight-year-old granddaughter and I'm willing to give my life. I know I'm going to die, so I'm going to die for something that I believe in, but I'm I'm I've, I've pretty much given up on adult uh, people in our society. My um, my whole mission in life is to save the babies. You know, create. You know, we always talking about repairing broken men and broken women. Well, let's get them before they're broken. If we can get them as children, nurture them properly, Absolutely. then we won't have some of the ills that we
3: have today. You know, Absolutely. I... Go ahead, Pastor. I like what you're saying um, because what you're, what you're saying in street vernacular is, is treat, teach them the real hustle of life because yes. they like to say they're hustlers and they know how to make money in the street, but they really ain't accumulating anything. The real hustlers, I mean, look, man, people see that, that glass window in the back, that glass wall, you living in Miami, you doing well, you had a legitimate hustle. You learned how to play the game. You invested in real estate. You've done other things, entrepreneurial. And um, I think when we expose our young people at an early age, th- this is the fruit of a real hustle, a genuine hustle. You can hustle legally, and you ain't got to worry about dying. You ain't got to worry about going to jail. And if you just have a little bit of patience, it's going to pay off. As opposed to they see the cat with the shiny car, right, with the flat, flashy, fancy clothes and all the girls and think that's, that's the ticket. Well, you and I both know, because we came we came through the streets and we survived and we're now uh, blessed that we know that had we'd have done the right thing from the jump, we'd have been farther ahead. If we had learned how to hustle, the real hustle from the jump, because what they're calling the hustle is they're being hustled. They're being channeled right into the prison system or right into the grave. Um, and so exposing them at an early age, just like what you said, planting those seeds in their minds, showing them this is the way to go, this is how you do it, because a lot of them don't have a clue. You were blessed Mm -hmm. that your mother and father were entrepreneurs, so you had some of that going on. I'm blessed that I had my uncles, and my dad was an entrepreneur, Um, so I've had some of that sown into myself, but there are a lot of us who don't? Who never see that? Never see it. Cool and the Gang had a song called Grown Up in the Jungle." Ne- growing up in the jungle, the jungle of New York, and there's a line that said, "Never seen a tree." Kids growing up in the city never seen uh, fruits and vegetables planted in the earth. They don't know. So we have to expand their vision. So I think that's a very good point. I just wanted to magnify that a little more. Go ahead, Doctor Tiki.
2: No, that's an excellent point. Um- that Brother Joe made and that you expounded upon, Pastor, excellent point. But this is a twofold, it's twofold. And just to kind of go on, I don't like to use the word devil's advocate, but i already said it, but just to kind of go on reverse of what you both said. Both of you um, said that you, know, you, you didn't come up in the streets, but you knew the game, you, you dealt with it. Um, you both have mentioned that you guys went to, not prison, but maybe jail at one point or another for whatever reason, but I just wanna say that because Brother Joe, you made a a dynamic point. It starts with the youth. You were, Brother Joe, fortunate because like you said, you like to play in dirt. (laughs) Your mom told you go plant stuff and you had tomatoes and you know, pastor, you had the same, You you just said you had your uncles around that helped you and you know, but still on this path in life at times, we make mistakes, we mess up, we make mistakes. Regardless of the guidance that we have in our lives, we make mistakes. The Bible says train a child up in the way that they should go. And I believe Brother Joe had great tra- training. You had great training, Pastor. And I had great training. But I messed up. I made some mistakes. Thank God he kept me. I never had to see the inside of a jail or a prison. But yet we make mistakes on the path. So it's a twofold thing. We can introduce the children to it because that's essential. We have to do that. We have to give them the foundation. But there are people that are in our prison system who just simply was in the wrong place at the wrong time, or they made a mistake. So there has to be some sort of reform for them. And the reason I say that, I heard Brother Joe say, listen, I'm dealing with children right now. I ain't, just, you know, grown up people play to me games, you know, and I'm with you, Brother Joe, because they do. Yes, but ma'am. thank God we have a savior that never gave up on us. Yes, <laughs> so ma'am. we still have to fight the good fight for our people, period. You know, whoever they are, wherever they are. But I, and I want to say, you know, every, Brother John, I mean, that's powerful stuff that you gave us today. And, and Pastor, you you as well, just, just bring it all to life. But I want you guys to talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, employment. That's a part of it because 75% of people who come out of the prison. They did their time. They did what they were supposed to do. But when they get out, they can't find work. They can't find work because yes. nobody is willing to take a chance. That's 75% of people are still unemployed once they leave prison. Some people can get work, but there has to be also some kind of reform, some things that we can do. I mean, I know at one time our church, we actually put together a list of um, employers who were willing to be able to um, employ people who were just getting out of prison. But we have to be able to do something on the inside of the prison to, to get our voice heard on the inside of the prison so that they can prepare them for work and also to change some laws because once you do your time, you do your time. When you come back out, you now you're, you're a citizen. You, you paid you your price. i was watching something on television last night and this guy, um, and he was having to be a Caucasian young man and he um, made some mistakes, he was a politician very well known down in South Carolina and he got caught up at a party and he was hustling cocaine at a party. He didn't have to. Guys parents have millions. But yet and still that's what he did. He went to jail, he did his time. And when he got out, you know, now he now he couldn't couldn't do anything. They're like, nope, you can't be a politician, you can't run for office, you can't do anything. That's a bigger scale because he wants to run for office. But I'm talking about somebody getting out of jail just wants to go to work. Just wants to get back into normalcy. Just wants to support their family. Just want to be whole so that they don't have to reoffend and steal because now I have to steal to, you know, to make a living because I got to take care of myself or my family and I'm not given that opportunity. Now you reoffend and you're back in prison. So there has to be some reform. uh, Yeah. Teaching our prisoners or people, you know, what we need to do to get back out to be whole again as it pertains to employment.
3: So, so the, the reality is prison is not designed to rehabilitate. It's supposed exactly.
2: to.
3: So, you know, we, the change that system, I, I believe it has to come like brother Joe earlier said, the renewing of the mind, the individuals, when guys get out of prison, some of the most educated people you want to meet cause they read so many books up in there, right? Yep. They come out of prison, they know a lot, but the mind and the heart has to be changed. Now, Minister Moss, he's a prime example. He was in prison and he's blessed to be walking the streets. You and I both know when he got out of prison, it was very hard for him to find a job. They tried to send him back to prison for life over some trumped up charges. He was innocent. Some trumped up charges. He sat in jail for over a year just to go to trial and, and they dismissed it. Well, what did he do? He became an entrepreneur. He says he has a business and he employs other individuals because his mind was transformed, his heart was transformed, and he had the support, he had spiritual support of the saints of a church. He had you and I and the brothers in the church to, to keep him motivated, even in his darkest hours. These brothers need support, but they need a transformation of the mind. And that comes, quite frankly, Brother Joe, you said it from the jump. It comes through Jesus Christ. Amen. All things through Christ. Now, I'm saying again, and I'm as guilty because I don't have a prison ministry, we need to engage them while they're there. When they get out, we didn't care when they was locked up. So we need to engage them while they're incarcerated, right? With the hope and the love of Christ. And when they get out, we we should have some type of support mechanism and spiritual support goes a long way because if you're strong on the inside, you can weather the storm on the outside. You can do it. You know that's 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 my perspective of helping these individuals. Um,
1: Yeah,
3: it's got to come from the mind and the heart. And once you have God, you 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 know this is just not no throwaway statement because a lot of folk, church folk, they'll pray for you. Oh, I'm praying for you and all this other But but they you know they don't they probably don't even pray.
0: They probably they just.
3: Say they're praying for you, right? Yeah. But we—they need a support group, support mechanism. Now, and I'll I say of My, you know, my cousin Ricky, out there in Arizona. Ricky didn't get right till he was sixty years old. He was the—I thought I was the mess up. He was the mess up in the family, the whole family. No, oh, Ricky, ah, that guy. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. he better not call me. I don't want to hear about him. He preached the gospel today. He preaching the gospel today. He's mentoring young men over there in, in Arizona. You know, he a shelter with men like himself. This cat was jacked up. Yeah. He didn't get right till he was 60. So you're right. It's frustrating when these guys are older. Yeah. Um, but, you know.
2: But that's a part of it, Pastor. That's a part of reform. You and Brother Joe are prime examples of successful African-American men You know, and sometimes people just need to see more examples of that. I was interviewed the other day about the film that I have coming up. And what I said to those people, they asked me, why are you filming, not why are you, but how can you film a feature film and a sitcom at the same time? And I just simply told the young woman that now is the time that we need this. Hope is what we need. And I said, it's important to me to depict on the screen and in, in art our people in a light that mainstream media refuses to do so i want our children to see brother joe Pastor the power yeah yeah i want our children to see examples of what it really it, what they really can be we're not you know we don't have to sell drugs we don't have to do those things so when we talk about prison reform like brother joe said it's like We need to put more examples out for people to be able to glean after. Sometimes people don't have families in the home that's showing them right or wrong. You know, and in the prison system, if they happen to be there, the church, you just said it, Pastor, even the church is a part of reform. We can go in and we can, you know, Brother Joe talked about it, you talked about, reformation of the mind sets up. We can reform people as a whole, even if laws don't change, just to give people a hope for when they, for when they do enter society, they know like brother Dennis, they can be entrepreneurs. They can make their own work.
4: Yes, I, I agree. Dr. Tiki, um, you know, those of us that have been successful, you know, I'm, I'm retired now. And I, I was a, thank God able to retire in my late forties. And, um, you know and i get so many different offers and to be honest i tell people i said i need a few years and i'm coming to the point where i want to start to reengage myself into some of my um you know social activities and whatnot but i was just tired from doing that stuff you know i, I raised my children you know what i mean thank god that you know they're all successful now and you know with some bumps along the road but between that working in corporate america and then, you know, I had a large real estate portfolio and I just got wore out. <laughs> my people wore me out. Then, you know, I had a, uh, a horrible bike accident that yeah. pelled in comparison to the mental um, anguish I was having just dealing with, you know, my, my, between my tenants, my friends, the people in the community trying to, you know, save them. You know, you help, you go and help get a local politician elected and then reelected and then they lying, you know, to you and, and stab you in the back. And I'm saying, you know, I just need a break. I didn't know nothing about South Florida. I had been to Miami once and Disney World once. And I didn't know that people even lived in Miami. I thought that was all. I mean, you know, in, in Florida, I thought you just went to the beach or you went to the amusement park. So I needed a time to come here. Refill my tank, recharge my battery. So now I'm, I'm willing to get back involved, but it's got to be something that makes sense and has proven results. I'm not willing to get involved with things just to feel good. You know, I feel good when I go to the beach every day. I live down the street. <laughs> in the beach. So if I want to feel good personally, I just go to the beach. You know what uh, I mean? I go back here and I, I fish or whatever it is. But in terms of helping our people um, with, uh, at, around the, the um, subject of, of prison reform and just personal reform, um, we gotta be willing to really get involved. And sometimes that, that you know, it's your time, your talent, your treasure. So right. we don't need all your money, we need some. We don't need all of your time, we need some. But we can't pile it all on you know, a Dr. Tiki or Pastor Collins, We, if we are really serious about saving our people, mm-hmm. we all have to get in where we fit in. You know, we can't, you know, all of us aren't dynamic speakers like a Pastor Collins and, and, a, and a, um, a, a Dr. Tiki, but we can assist. You know, I used to, when I, when I was working in corporate America, i worked in the telecommunications industry And I built the fiber optic system for this whole city of Philadelphia. Well, you know, you don't come into a job like that knowing everything. They send you to get the minimal training and, you know, get your certifications. But then you have to learn on the job. And I would tell the guys that were coming in new that didn't know much. I said, even if you are doing something and it may not really be the right thing, the fact that you're trying something is better than you sitting down. And watching somebody else do the work. So if, you know, you got uh, a number one lineman going to repair something, if you don't know, then at least carry his tools for him. You know what I mean? But at a bare minimum, don't trip him on the way to doing his work. You know (laughs) what I mean? So we, we have to all understand that there is something for all of us to do. A a very good example is in the um, city of Philadelphia, they have an ex-offenders association. Mm. They um, actively get their guys jobs. Most of your sanitation department for the city of Philadelphia are formally, you know, formally incarcerated, returning uh, citizens. These guys are making Eighty and ninety thousand dollars. They get lifetime uh, yeah, me, me. medical if they, you know, meet the criteria. Of how, however, many years at age, so they make a good salary. They get uh, a number one medical uh, benefits, and they get a retirement if you meet, you know, if you work a certain amount, you know, twenty or thirty years, or what, or meet a certain age. So again. You know, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can engage, and I know a lot of those brothers. We can engage them and say, "What is it that you are doing?" And we can copy that here in Florida, uh, there in South Jersey, because what they were able to do, they engaged the politicians. Now, these some of them guys is rugged and rough, and we need those. We need those guys. You know, I call them the headbusters. We need them because. We know the politicians are lying to us, but if they ain't going to lie and not fulfill their commitment when they know it's some head busters, that's going to cause them some some trouble. You know what I mean? So what they were able to do, the first thing they did, which was powerful, they got their um, the convicted felons to be able to vote. That started in Philadelphia, but then they also banned on all Applications in the city of Philadelphia. You, you can't even ask if you were right. incarcerated. Right. They took that off all applications. That's that you know. So again, these are things that we can do that are in place. We don't have to reinvent that will in Camden or here in, in South Florida or you know in, in South Jersey. We can go to those brothers, they're very accessible, and say, teach
3: us, and then we That's
2: do what they do. So, That's good stuff. So so brother
3: Joe. I think every every town needs a brother Joe. Now, Amen. <laughs>
4: the,
3: at the level that you that you are not involved, I pray that people get involved at the level that you're not involved because Amen. you're constantly available for myself, for uh, young brothers, and uh, no matter who they are, what they're doing, if they're positive, you're going to help them out. So you may you may be retired, but you still work, and God's still using you. So we need brothers like you um, with your knowledge, with your commitment, your heart and your spirit. You make a difference everywhere you go. It's just a matter of time before you start zigging and zagging over there in Florida, brother, because wherever you go, Joe going to be there. <laughs> brother Joe
2: is already zigging and zagging in Florida. He ain't nobody. <laughs> His voice is also powerful. So listen, I, you know, I saw the time we have for today, but I appreciate both of you, um, for coming on this podcast today. I know everybody that's listening, they're gleaning something from this. And like brother Joe said, we don't have to recreate the wheel sometimes. And he, you, you talked about something a little bit earlier, you know, instead of just trying to recreate the wheel, if we would just get on board with one another and band together, we can get a lot done. Um, so I, I really love that you said that, but before I let both of you go, can you guys just, just give a word of encouragement in a time just like this. And brother Joe, I would love to start with you.
4: Okay. Um, again, uh, Doctor Tiki, Pastor Collins, I'm I'm thrilled and honored to um, you know to, to be an invited guest, um, and I would love to come back on. Um, Amen. To um, further this discussion, but then to you know come and put some concrete things in place um i want to connect y'all with some other brothers like i said you know i have a cousin there in camden new jersey uh tony henshaw that he's doing some phenomenal things with the help of uh, brother anthony ways and and brother Munir muhammad um so i i I definitely want to uh connect you guys with them and then the brothers over in philly with the um ex-offenders association they you know they they pay dues and they you know they they put their their money where their mouth is. But um, personally, I'd like to say, um, you know, again, I've I've been studying really hard on that scripture that be, you know, be angry, which again, God is telling us to be angry and sin not, you know, you know, through the the stages in my life. Again, I mastered the be angry part. I was, you know, Mm -hmm it was nothing for me to come and just punch you in the face. But, you know, reason other than the fact that I was just angry. And, you know, so I'm working even personally on the sin, not part. You know, I'm getting a little older. So, you know, I'm I'm more conservative in my lifestyle and and, in some of, you know, my philosophies. But again, if we could just tell our brothers that guess what? It's okay to be angry because God said, be angry, brother Joe. Didn't say, Doctor Kyle, Doctor Tiki, Pastor Collins. This is not conjecture. God said, "Be angry." Amen. And He said, "Sin not."
3: but sin That's not?
4: Where I'd like to uh, stay at. You know, working on our brothers on the sin not part. We've mastered the be angry. Let's sin. Let's sin not. Let's start there, and then, um, and and even, and, and when I say sin not, I mean sometimes. You know, we have are wrongfully convicted or, or people that have been framed. Even in that, you gotta be angry, but you gotta get smart. You can't just go and kill somebody because they did you wrong. You gotta, you know, correct that ill and then correct the system that allowed that to happen. So that that's what I would like to um close with that.
2: Amen. And that was very powerful. Thank you so very much. Um, Brother Joe. Now, Pastor Collins, can you leave us with a word of encouragement?
3: Uh, Yeah, I first want to thank you, uh, Tiki, for allowing me and and my brother Joe to be uh, on your podcast. And uh, very grateful for Brother Joe Simmons. Very, very uh, well-read brother, Uh, a person who has a heart for our community, uh, took the time out of his schedule to, yeah. to do what we asked him to do. And he will be back. He will be back yeah. with some, some more information and uh, resources. So I'm very grateful to him. He's one of, uh, listen, <laughs> everybody need a Joe Simmons in their community. <laughs> Amen. So spread this podcast to everybody that you know, and then take it take some action. Be angry. We ought to be angry about our brothers, 40% of us being locked up. We ought to be angry about our young people not knowing anything other than violence and 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 street uh street type stuff. We ought to be angry, but we don't want to sin about it. We want to do something about it. I want to leave I want to leave everybody with these final words from Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 41. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations, including America, all the sin in America, they got to give an account. And he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divided his sheep from the goats. And He shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, come ye blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hunger, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when when did we see you hungry and feed thee or thirsty and gave you drink? When did we see you as a stranger and took you in or, or naked and clothed thee? Or when were you sick or in prison and we came unto you? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as much as you have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. So let's do something in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you for that. That was very powerful as well. My wonderful husband. <laughs> Amen. I would just like to thank um Brother Joe Simmons, who is a, just a very powerful man of God. And as you heard, my wonderful husband, who is also a wonderful husband and a powerful man of God, expressed Um, I just want to thank both of them for taking time out of their busy days to um, come on this podcast to share with you all a word, you know, not just talking about prison reform, but actually talking about the reformer of the entire. Ah, Christ. So I want to thank both of you for coming on to the podcast today. I greatly appreciate it. And thank you all of the loyal listeners who tune in. I, I don't. Counted Robbery that so many of you guys um, listen. So thank you um, for tuning in iHeartRadio. Don't forget all my iHeart listeners. You can go over to Facebook to see the visual of this today. It will be up at some point today. Um, Also, remember to keep your emails coming. I do read them. I read each and every one of them. Thank you for all the ideas, the things that you guys want us to discuss. I will be talking about most of the things you guys are asking me about. And also remember to visit my website at www.lordputaringonit.com and get excited because we do have a new film that's coming out soon. We're filming this fall, so be on the lookout for that. But anyway, remember again, I love you guys. Jesus loves you. And until next time, God bless lovebirds thanks for watching don't forget to subscribe and check out my books and movies on amazon.com see you next time
1: that you can
4: even if they pass you still give it one more much more